Welcome. This is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. <clears throat> Very happy that you tune in for one more show on this beautiful morning. And uh, I'm here in the uh, recording studio with my good friend David Aboot. David, how's hey, it going? It's going great. How are you? Good to have you back from Italy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Cleveland for sure. Yeah, that was a good show we were able to put yeah. together last week about Italy. Right. And then we looked at some of the biblical ramifications of the early church in that first century in Italy. Yeah. So, uh, and then in the days ahead, we're anticipating some interviews. We have some special guests lined up, and we'll just keep the audience informed of what's coming up. But we do appreciate you tuning in this morning. This is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Any problem, static, or not a clear signal, just go to your uh iphone you can go to uh, electra you could go to um, you know uh, your ipad and just google in 89.1 fm radio that's 89.1 fm radio or www.wnzn.org wnzn.org and you get a really clear signal so having said that we'll just launch into this uh, mm-hmm. what i think is a really interesting topic or subject this morning right david and that is when you look at the person of Jesus Christ, he brings in many characteristics, attributes, uh, titles, names. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Emmanuel. He's the anointed one. He is the Savior. He is yeah. the Lord. Uh, he is the good shepherd. Right. But one of the things we pick up uh, is this idea of Christos. You know, he is Christos, which means anointed one. That's where mm. you get the word Messiah in Hebrew, Mashiach. Oh. And I wanted us to look at this idea of he is the anointed one. Well, who was anointed in the Old Testament? That was a common feature or practice in the Old Testament. Right. And the three primary people or offices in the Old Testament were prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look in the back of the Old Testament. We're going to see how this applies to Jesus, that he is the anointed one as prophet, priest, and king. And the more of these things that converge on Jesus from the Old Testament, yeah. these titles, these offices, these prophecies, it just shows you, like, it strengthens, to me, it strengthens your faith in so many ways, because how could this stuff be contrived or made up? It's just so highly detailed. But when you see how these three anointed offices are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, it's amazing. It really is amazing. I'd like to, we could discuss that yeah. for a little bit this morning, David. Any yeah. thoughts you might have? Just well, yeah. Um, with the doctrine of Christ, do I have this right? Most theologians cover two distinct sections, the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Um, they're, they're both important, but we're going to focus on the work of Christ with, uh, with the three offices that he held simultaneously, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. We're going to look at the, the fact that... Uh, he, he is the anointed one. When he comes, yeah. we know he is the anointed one. And, of course, when you look at the Old Testament, at yeah. these three, some come to mind. Like, for example, David. And we see David oh, was sure. anointed. Even as yeah. a young boy, he's anointed. Oil is poured <clears throat> over him. He's predicted and prophesied that he would be this king uh, of, of uh, Israel. And, of course, the king is going to be the one that's going to guide and deliver and protect mm-hmm. Israel, like any good king would. All right. And we see that in David. Now, the first king you see for Israel after they come out of the promised land and through the wilderness will be King mm-hmm. Saul, who wasn't a good king as such. Yeah. Then you have David, and then you have Solomon. Well, especially David, he is considered the king. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, he establishes Jerusalem. He is the one, uh, and it is prophesied time and again 
that there's going to come a king like David, or what we call the son of David. Yeah. And it says in Second Samuel chapter seven, verse sixteen. I just want to go there for a moment. Yeah, and it, God called David a man after His own heart, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, boy, are so you kidding me? Wow. That really typifies the, yeah. our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see this in Second Samuel chapter seven, verse sixteen. This is a prophecy that's given. Um, uh, Samuel. Uh huh. Second Samuel, chapter seven, uh, verse sixteen. Um, it, it talks about this coming one. Um, verse sixteen. Uh huh. Okay. Speaking of David. Sure. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David in the words of this entire revelation. So this this idea yeah, that wow. this throne would be established forever. Okay, David's Man. throne. Now mm-hmm. we know David died. But the idea that there was going to come this one that was going to be, quote, unquote, a son of David. In other words, he's from the line of Judah. Yes. Judah was the kingly line. So when Jesus comes, Mm -hmm. then that's one of the pronouncements they're going to make right at the beginning. Let's say in the announcement in Luke, where Mary is hearing that she's going to bear a child, the the virgin-born child. And it says this in... Is that um, Luke 1? Uh-huh, verse 32, if you have that. Yeah, I do. Uh, The angel Gabriel told Mary that Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's Luke 1, 32. Look at that emphasis on kingdom. Yeah. Uh, He's called the Son of the Highest. He's called the Lord God. Uh, uh, But he's called... Uh, the son of David, or in other words, his father David, son of David. But notice he's going to reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever. And his king there will be no end. So even today, of course, Jesus is king. But when you consider it, even at his birth, will the wise men come from the east bearing gifts? And what do they want to see? Where is this king of the Jews born? Even at his birth Mm -hmm. and then at his death, what is Pilate right above his cross? Do you remember? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. Yeah. Now, the leadership did not want him to put it up there. He says, what I've written, I've written. The point being that his birth and at his death, yeah. he is declared to be king. Right. Now, that's a very important thing. Even before he was born. <laughs> it was before he was born. You know, yeah, so the prophecy. If, if, if he yeah. is not the king, then where is this eternal kingdom exactly. that came from David? But if Jesus is indeed that king, he came from the line of Judah from the family of David. Mm-hmm. Where was David born? Bethlehem. Right. Where is Jesus born? Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. It's called the city of David. So you see all these kingly features are kind of converging or being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so we just look at this idea of this role as king, and then we're going to slide into Jesus in the role in the office of okay. prophet, and then finally okay. uh, we'll look at that thing of priest. You can almost do a whole program in each one of these features oh, uh, because it's loaded. But, for example, in Matthew, Jesus says, All power and authority has been given to me. Then go make disciples of all nations. Well, if you're a king, by definition, you have power and authority over your kingdom, right? I mean, that's that's just what it is. But Jesus is saying, all he, power, yeah. all authority is given to me. Above every name. Above every name. So he's declaring. He's the king of kings. And as a king, he's coming. So, I mean, anyone can say, I'm a king. You could have a person that's unbalanced or crazy. Say, well, I'm a king or I'm Caesar or I'm Napoleon. But how does a king displays power yeah. and authority? So what did Jesus have power or authority over? 
Well, let's look at it. Yeah. He had power over nature. Yeah. He could still the, the waves and mm -hmm. calm the storm. He had power over food supplies. He could multiply, you know, mm -hmm. the five fishes, uh, five loaves, two fishes, right. and feed 5,000. He had power over demons. Mm -hmm. He could cast them out. He had power over death. He could raise the dead. Uh, we see he had power over blindness. He had power, power over leprosy. He, had, he has this incredible power that's being displayed in his three-year earthly ministry. So yeah. if somebody claims to be a king, by definition, you have to have authority and you must have power. Otherwise, you're not. You're just a fake. But yeah. all of these things are being displayed by Jesus to show you that the kingdom of God has now come here. Yeah, and, and as he executes the three offices, I wrote here he's meeting man's need for restoration since Jesus Christ is God. Men's restoration is undeniable and permanent. So he needs to be doing all three of those to restore us, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Everyone will right. come in, in a proper function. Yeah. And this idea of king, uh, when he says, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art in heaven, uh -huh. hallowed be that thy kingdom come. You that know, he's always done. preaching yeah. this idea of the kingdom. And when you go to the end of the book of Revelation, there you see him on a throne, mm -hmm. and that's where it's established that he is indeed king of kings, oh, yeah. lord of lords. I'm going to just read the one from 22, 16. Well, where, where are you? Uh, Revelation, last okay. chapter in the book of Revelation. It's going to say um, about his kingship. Uh, Revelation. 22 and verse 16. If you have that, David, you can just read Oh, sure. Revelation 22. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The oh. spirit, is that all you want? Yeah, no, okay. look, he says, okay. I, Jesus, have sent my angels. He's in charge of the angels. He's not an oh. angel. He's in charge of right. me, right? Right, right, To testify the things to the churches. I Notice he says, I am the root of... So a root comes before the plant, right? I mean, it's underground. Right. So he's, but he comes before David, but then he says, I'm the offspring of David. Do you see what he's saying there? Yes. I predate David, and I'm his offspring. I, you know, I'm a son of David. So how can that be? Yeah. What do you think? How does he predate David? Jesus. Well, he, he created the universe. He's eternal. Yeah. Right. He's right. eternal. Right. But mm -hmm. what do we see? He comes after David. Many he's generations. Also, yeah, fully human, fully God. So he's the root. He comes right. before David, and then he comes yeah. after David. And then he's the, the bright officer. morning star. Yeah, so the key is this kingly line. Is that eternity? What he says before? The, 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 the bright morning star. No, bright morning star means he's, he's, he's dominant in the... Okay, in the, sure. Uh, in the order. heavens. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. He's dominant. Yeah. But it's the idea he's... He's before David. Mm -hmm. He comes after David. You see, yeah. in, his, in his Godhead, he's eternal. He way, you know, he did yeah. was in eternity. But many generations after David dies, Jesus is born. Therefore, he's the son of yeah. David. It right, is and, and that brings his lineage. His power uh, on, on the human for his uh, and this kingly, yeah. this idea of kingly uh, identification. Right, it says this in. Said we're in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, when Jesus coming at his second coming, you know, he's, he, he talks all about this uh -huh. incredible uh, scene in verse wow. 11, chapter 19, verse 11. John sees this second coming of our Lord. Okay. You see. Uh, yeah, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse 
whose writer is called Faithful and True, with justice he judges and wages war. See this kingly? Yeah. Okay, look at him now coming down. Look. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Kings, that's kingly, okay. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. See, that's a victor. Uh, the king coming in in victory. Okay. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. His treads, he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and uh, Lord of Lords. King of Kings. You see this? Yeah. Here he comes back. Now, these people back at that first century, <clears throat> they were used to when uh, armies would come in, you know, whether yeah. it was a Caesar or a Titus or whoever, these Roman armies. And that's how they came in, in mm -hmm. glory, power. Uh, and he's riding on this, uh, you know, uh, this white horse, so to speak, this metaphor on the clouds yeah. of heaven. But notice what's written on his robe, uh, on his robe and yeah, on his king side. Of kings king and of kings, Lord of Lords. Lord of Lords. That's the, that that office of kingship is so important when it's applied to Jesus, because you see he's the perfect king. He's the. That's why we should submit to him. You know. That's why. Oh yeah. As you say, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. You better that Jesus submit Christ. to him. That's the only one you ever want to I bow mean, to yes. or submit mm -hmm. to. You know, we don't submit to political parties or other people no. or. Even these so-called kings and princes and these people around the world, no, they're a man, they're a woman like us, but you submit and you bow and you kneel to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that's Jesus Christ. So again, we see this idea, he is the king. He Boy. is the king, he's royal, um, and he's, he displays his authority and his power. That's important. I want This, uh, this idea of um, his coming before David and after David is so important. If you look at Psalm 110 for a moment, mm -hmm. just turn to Psalm 110 and you'll see this. This is a thousand years before Jesus comes, but it, it just nails this whole right. idea of his yep. kingship. Psalm 110. Right, I got it. And just read that first verse. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Notice that. The Lord said to my Lord. Now, this is David speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So who is the Lord saying to my Lord? You see what's going on here? Yeah. Who's the Lord and who's the one saying well, Lord? Well, God, right? God the Father, Father is saying to, to, the Son. to Jesus. Yeah. Right, exactly yeah. right. Sit in my, where is Jesus sitting now? At the, at the right, right hand. hand of the Father. What's Jesus did in the book of Revelation? Make your enemies a footstool. Mm -hmm. The Lord shall send out the rod of your strength and rule in the midst. See, now he's in a rulership mode. That's very important, this kingly role. And just stay in Psalms and look at Psalm 2. You'll see this idea, and then we're going to switch to the other office in a moment. But look at Psalm 2 and read verse 1 and 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, uh, saying... Okay, yeah. who are the nations against? Who are the people against? Who are they rebelling against here? God. 
And who else? Uh, themselves. Who else? Um, the kings of the earth, rulers against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed. Yeah. Anointed. Yeah. Who's the anointed one? Jesus. Is the Messiah. Yeah. Is the Messiah. Right. You see Jesus. this? So to, are the nations today rebelling against God? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, th this, they, is, this is today's They turn their backs. They, they don't want God. Right and now. they don't want Jesus. Right. His anointed one. Therefore, look what they say. Verse 3. Let, Let us, us break, break their, their bonds. Chains and they don't want any control. They don't want, they don't want the king to rule over them at all. But look what it says God's response is in verse 4. The one, in, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, there you my go. holy mountain. There you go, king. See, he's established his king. That's Jesus. He's established his rulership, proper rulership, which is coming. That We saw that in the book of Revelation. Now look what our Lord says in, in verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's degree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Notice this. See how the father gives the son the power to yeah. rule the nations, the rebellious mm -hmm. nations. And then he says, but here's what he's saying. He doesn't want to. God's not wrathful and doesn't want to destroy humankind. He's given us room here to repent. Look what it says in verse 10 and 11. Therefore, 10 through 12. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Notice that what the, the warning here? Mm -hmm. Don't come under the judgment like we saw in Revelation, but rather serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. In other words, have a relationship with the Son. You don't want to be around when he's angry. That's what Revelation talks about, the wrath of the Lamb. When his wrath is kindled but a little. Then it says, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Yeah. So everyone that's really put their trust in Jesus Christ and committed their life, they're blessed. Doesn't mean you don't have hardship. Am I oh, right? right? Oh, right. You've no. seen this in your own life, yes. David. Have mm -hmm. you not? Mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. Well, a, we, we both have. I it's mean, a safe place to be. It sure is. But, uh, yeah, he definitely gives warning and gives us time to, to, to change our ways. But you see uh, this kingly role. Yeah. You see the display of that kingly role, that he is indeed the king, and that... Uh, it's clearly stated, this office of kingship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And, and that's why, really, uh, on Palm Sunday, when he comes in on that Palm Sunday, uh, he's allowing them to, to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's like kingly language. And that comes from uh, uh, Zechariah, where it talks about when he comes, he's going to come, uh, look at your king, uh, for he's coming riding humble and riding on a colt, they yeah. say which is, of course, Jesus Christ coming in. And then uh, it says, uh, chapter 9 of Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation. He is humble, right. and he's riding on a donkey. Mm. So when does that happen? It happens on Palm Sunday. Sure does. But you see, it says, your king is coming. There you have this role of our Lord Jesus Christ as king. He's Christ the King. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's really 
telling, you know, when we see this kind of attribute. This it is. Jesus. So, okay, we looked at that one. Now we'll switch gears a little bit. We might come back to that again uh, because it's so important when you look at his kingly role. Now the other one, of course, Jesus will come as a prophet. Now a yeah. prophet, so we got king, yeah. prophet, priest, those right. three anointed roles. Yep. So the thing with a prophet, a prophet would often speak for God to the people. Mm -hmm. That's his role. We're going to see, whereas the priest represents the people to God, particularly through sacrifice. So the prophet is speaking God's word to the people. And often this would be um, repent, get right with the mm -hmm. Lord. And we see that, of course, all through the Old Testament, when you look at Zechariah, Isaiah, and um and, and sometimes the prophet, like Elijah or Moses, could do miracles. And sometimes the prophets in the Old Testament could foretell. Not all prophets told about the future. We always think a prophet equals prophecy. But sometimes they're just giving the word of God to the people at that particular time. And a lot of that was about repentance and turn from your sin and get right with God. So we see that happening even with Jesus when he arrives on the yeah. scene. But this is this idea, this prophet... Uh, they knew a prophet was yeah. coming. Like, yeah. like uh, for example, Moses. If you look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, we'll see how this was actually prophesied. Yeah, he's when, a prophet like Moses. Right. So when you think about Moses, well, number one, he was a deliverer. Number two, he was the representative of God. Number three, he confronted yeah. the, the, the evil powers that were against his people, the Jewish people. They were in slavery for upwards of 400 years. But God promised, um, look, he says it, look, he says in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For verse, this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. Okay, go down now. To 17 and 18. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Okay, so there's this idea that there's a prophet coming like Moses. Mm -hmm. So we first look at Jesus as the king, lineage of uh, mm -hmm. David, son of David. Now they're looking for this prophet like Moses. Well, why is Moses different than other prophets like Isaiah, Zechariah, Elijah? Well, he's different in many ways. Yeah. Number one, he encounters God face to face. Number two, he goes mm -hmm. up in the mountain, he gets the law, the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. Number three, he does miracles. He does, you know, he, he yeah. turns the and, water to and blood. And healings, right? He does He does healing. Well, he does a one healing. Yeah. yeah. The blind. Okay. He does... Um, he uh, let him out of judgment. He does yeah. a lot of judgment miracles. Yeah. Cause the cattle to have boils. There's there's uh, hailstones come down. Oh yeah. And then finally he does the uh, Passover where mm -hmm. they kill the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. My point being that Moses comes in this powerful deliverer, yeah. miracle working uh, person representing God to the people and speaking God's word. That's a very important point of a prophet. He's speaking God's word both to his people, the Jewish people, but also to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Let my people go. So we're going to see that in terms of Jesus when mm -hmm. he comes on the scene. But they were always looking for this prophet like 
Moses, and you'll see this when you turn to the New Testament in John chapter 1. Um, we'll, we'll just look at a little bit of how Jesus actually fulfills this. And again, as people listen to this and you think, mm -hmm. is the Bible true or is, the, is there ways of... I believe these are all proof systems. Oh, inter yeah. Internal proof systems that, that show you this is of God. So John the Baptist is, is preaching repentance, right? He's preaching a repentance in the message and the leaders are coming out to talk to him. They want to know, who is he? And look at verse John chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. See that? that are you the prophet? They were looking for this prophet like Moses. See, so there it is, Old Testament. We see a Deuteronomy, full, all the way a thousand years later, they're asking about John the Baptist. Are you that prophet that was yeah. prophesied? Are you the one like Moses? Right. And John, of course, says no. But when you turn to chapter 5, um, uh, when you see our Lord with the uh, feeding of the 5,000, uh, chapter 6, I'm sorry, chapter, oh, chapter six, 6, where it's... Um, it says they gather up the fragment. Look at chapter 6, and we read verse 12 through 14. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign, Jesus performed they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Notice that? Why do they say this is the prophet now? No, they saw a miracle. They said, what did Moses do when the people didn't have food in the wilderness? He they did prayed. the same thing. And what did God do? He he brought the, the manna. manna, right? Manna. And so, so now they see this, and they're going, this is him. This you know, is the one. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, the, these people saw all these miracles firsthand. Yeah. And you know, and still they were naysayers if they didn't if they didn't have one, you know. Uh, and that's what Moses said. You know, you have little faith because you know they were wandering around in the desert for so long. Right. But they were always cared for. He didn't put them out there to die. Exactly. He was just you know making sure that they were ready to go into the promised land. Exactly right. For exactly. us, um, that's why we need the Bible. Yeah. To I mean, to, to reinforce because we are not seeing. We're not living in this era 2,000 years ago. Right, exactly. Um, right. And we really need the word to keep in mind um, the story of Christ uh, and how God has given us the word uh, to free us from, you know, what happened in the Garden of Eden. And our parents, our, our great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, parents you know? sin. Uh, and, and, and it all comes together so beautifully. And people wonder about yeah. this, and they and they say, "Well, is it? Can I believe the Bible?" Well, a lot of people just don't mm -hmm. understand all this yeah. detail and all these predictions and prophecies that are all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. I think one of the biggest things, and when you and I spoke about this, and you look at the other leaders of the other faiths, uh, Muslim and Mormon, and you know, when you look at what forty some authors over a period of over fifteen hundred years wrote this seamless book that fits together like a perfect puzzle. 
you know, that in and of itself versus having one or two authors, right? Yeah, right. It, 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 it totally, if you don't think this is the word of God speaking to these people to write it, then I, 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 I urge you to pray on it and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you. Well, yeah, you make a good yeah. point, David, because you have multiple witnesses yeah. stretching over thousands of years. Right. And so, for example, the Quran has one. You know, Muhammad, did he really hear from God? And therefore, he gets the Quran. Or let's say the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, that's one person. Yes, right, Is exactly. he getting it right? Yeah. Where this is spread over the same theme, the same message, yeah. but it has that prophetic element. Yeah. That there's one coming like Moses that there's going to be a king like David that's mm -hmm. going to rule forever. All of these things are converging and coming together on the person of Jesus Christ. You look at it and you're thinking, how can this be? Right. You know, that's why I called unex unexamined unbelief. Mm -hmm. There's like me, I didn't study the Bible growing up, okay? No. I, I, so I had an unbelief that was based on lack of evidence because I never looked at the evidence. I think there's a lot of people, there might be people listening today, might be in that very situation yes. where they just, they, they just, I don't know, just grew up without the Bible and they didn't have much interest in other than the Christmas story or it, Easter. It, you know, you look at Africa, which is exploding with Christianity, even China, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're looking at these places, but, you know, when I think of Africa, I think the thing that strikes me the most is they're not enamored with all this tech and all these things, all these distractions. Yeah. And the main thing is, you know, what we read in Psalms too, uh, David wrote those Psalms. Yeah. Um, is the fear of God. That has to come before everything. That's everything. And when you see the explosion in Africa, they fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many people, John, that you come across weekly, if you were to ask them point blank, do you fear God? What? It's a good question. What are you talking about? I got a meeting. Uh, right. Wait, oh, my phone's ringing. Right. You go to Africa, and this is what they focus on. Uh, you know, the people that are coming to the Lord. And I only bring that up because we know that they're secluded. They don't have the tech. But that is some of the most, in, that is the, the most important thing you can do in your life is to do this and to slow your world down like you're living in Africa in a tribal community. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the only way to force yourself, if you are that far removed and have never read the word. You're exactly right. You it's have to stop the world. The fear or you won't you won't see this. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It you says have that to in fear scripture. God. Right. You have to fear God to make yourself slow the world down so you can understand what he's telling us. Yeah, that's the starting point. If, and that's, if you knew somebody was gonna take a gun to your head and you only had twenty four hours what would you do? Yeah, right, exactly. We don't know how much time we have. And, you know, that was made clear to me. You know, I, I have a, a crazy, you know, story, as you know. Um, and, you know, so for me, it was the worst thing I thought at the time, but the best thing that ever happened what was to me. It about that? Well, when the markets crashed uh -huh. in 2007. And right. Maybe you could tell slow, the listener that. Well, it, 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 the only thing I'll say is, you know, I was a partner in a hedge fund in New York, and... Uh, we, we had very sophisticated um, artificial intelligence software. We were very excited about it, um, working with one of the top banks in the world. And uh, when 2007 hit, not only did it slow my world down, but it pinned me in a chair. Right. And then I was open to meeting with you because I was that fearful uh -huh. of, you know, how quick things can go. 
right. by the wayside. Everything you built up, how quick they can go after 20 years of being in a career. And so um, that froze me and got me to focus. When I listened to some of these other serial entrepreneurs um, that took a big hit with their career, because see, that, that was my identity. Yeah, right. Right? I had stuff all over the wall and... Um, and same with these people, their identity was in their business. Now our identity is in Christ, which is the best thing ever. So now that your identity is in Christ, your businesses are still important. My, my new business is still very important because I know the good it's going to do for humanity and you know it pays the bills, etc. But the thing is, this is the most important thing you can do, but you're going to miss it if you don't find a way to slow the world down, especially if you're living in the Western world. Yeah, because there's no awareness or fear yeah. of God. Here's what it says in the scripture, Job 28, 28. And he said the human, to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. And this is what Alexander Schultz needs when yeah. he came to America after being in prison in Russia for right. so long. He spoke at Harvard and other places, but mm -hmm. he says, America basically lost the fear of God. Yes, they have, did. And therefore, anything goes if, you, if you're not accountable to mm -hmm. a God. And that's when, when John the Baptist mm -hmm. or even our Lord comes, yeah. they're preaching. Their initial message is repent, yeah. for the kingdom of God has come upon you. And, you know, th this reminds me, we did an interview with the WEC, uh, with your WEC colleagues. And, um, you know, they used to say, and, and this is the kind of the way I feel now, I was talking to Ron about this, um, when you're with the Lord, and they said, we just have comfort now uh -huh. to know we will be cared for, right. quote unquote. You know, we're not worried about where the next check's coming from to keep us as missionaries. We're that comfortable in our walk with Christ. Wow. Mm. So when I think about that and I see how happy <laughs> they are, that's the reason I still do the show with you is when we interview people like that, uh, let alone we're, we're hoping we're helping the masses, sure. but it helps build your faith in the reason we're here. When it, So, you know, nothing is guaranteed, right? In COVID, I saw nine out of 10 businesses go out of business that tried to launch a new uh, startup. And uh, the world stopped and a lot of businesses went out. I'd like to see the book one day on how many businesses went out of yeah. business yeah. when everything was frozen for that long. But when you have the Lord, you can get through that stuff and you're much stronger and things are much better than they were before well, you even sure. knew him. And that's the only way to explain it. So, And I'm it, sure you have your stories. Well, as a friend once said, Jesus offers us the best explanation to life right. and death. Mm -hmm. How to live, how to raise children, how to yeah. run a business, uh, how to pray when you're mm -hmm. in a difficult situation. How to worship God? Mm -hmm. Just think of Chris. Just think of the hymns. You're like, mm -hmm. uh, "Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art, yeah. Silent Night, yeah. Oh Come All Ye Faithful." Right. They lift the soul. Do they not? Your mind is being transformed, and re it's like this total package is free. You know, this is getting me about salvation, mm -hmm. David. Yeah. <clears throat> it's free, and it's offered every day. It's right there on the table. Do you want yeah. this forgiveness of sins? Yeah. <laughs> dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ, hear it around the world. Learn how to pray. Yeah. Learn how to help people understand the wiles of the right. Satan and the devil. You know, all of these yeah. things. Yeah. And then what happens? One day you die and it's 
what does the Bible say? I have not seen nor ear heard yeah. nor entered into the heart of man what great things God has prepared for those that love him. Right. So what if you're selling, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, you're selling this mm -hmm. quote-unquote product, mm -hmm. look at all the features it has. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's why maybe there's somebody listening today that just never thought about this stuff or looked into it like we're talking today just of these three offices that our mm -hmm. Lord fulfills as priest, prophet, and king. Nobody can make this stuff up. No, it's simultaneously. But but here's the other thing, John. I, I didn't want to divert off that, but I thought it was really important to bring this up as we're talking about the fact that this is the Son of God. That's why we're talking about that. He fulfilled all three of these offices simultaneously and the fact that he was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, you know, when we get to the priest section, we'll Good. talk about that. But again, if you are lost and you're looking for a new career or something, that's the beauty about what we're talking about. If you remember, you know, you and I went to WAC and I got I got my next company vision. Right. And so who's ever listening, um, you really you really can pray for direction. And you'll be amazed at the people that come you know, I started thinking about the song the the party train or the party bus. Uh -huh. That's really what Christ is. You know, you jump on his bus and you can't believe the things that happen, the people that come into your life. You, you know, uh, it, it's incredible. So actually, um, really, the, the best thing to do is to figure out how you can, if you're living in the Western world, figure out how you can slow your life down so you can get into this. Yeah, right. And really start to see what we're talking about. Yeah, and realize, Don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait, because we don't know. We don't know what's going on tomorrow. Well, look we at Libya. Know. Yeah. There was an earthquake. Look at uh, Maui, Hawaii. Yeah. Our friend Mike Parks just got back there. Yeah. That was all within three hours. Well, you, you know, the, the thing I, you know, we were talking about your visit to Italy and what happened in Pompeii so quickly, and then Hawaii, same thing. How many years later? Yeah. You just don't know how quick, and that was in a few hours, and they're still looking for hundreds of people. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. So you really can't wait or assume anything. And, and that's where the fear should come in. And the beauty of the Christian right, faith. Right, John? Exactly right. Because we don't know when our time is. I, I like the quote you gave with your friend. He's like, well, I'll get to that at 11 or something. Oh, he's got to make a midnight confession except, oh. to, except get salvation at what he said his old age. It's what they call 11th hour conversion. But I said, what if you die at 1030? Yeah. You don't know. You know, that's the thing the Bible says clearly. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. And, and what does it say in the Bible about the thief on the cross with Christ? That should show you, regardless of what you've done, that any point in your life you can do this. Exactly. Or even if you, regardless of what you think you did in the past and you're not worthy, it's not true. It's a lie yeah. that the enemy's given you. Exactly right. It's a lie of the enemy. I mean, you, you can talk about that more directly than I can, but... That is something the enemy will do. You can't become a Christian. You know, you were a rapist, you're a murderer, you know, you're a liar. Look what you did. You know, that is not true. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the Bible clearly says, uh, whoever comes to Jesus says, come unto me. Right. All you that are <clears throat> very heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes. The blood of Jesus Christ is what's called efficacious. That mm. means it has power to, to just forgive little sins. Yeah. No, all sin. Yes. Uh, that's the power. And it, it's, it has that cleansing power, and that's a continual plus. That what that's why as believers, we can continually come to the cross, yeah, ask for forgiveness. We're living in a fallen world, right? We might get angry, we might do this, we might do that, 
but God is is right there, and part of it, we're going to go to the priestly mode in the last couple <clears> of minutes. But sure. This idea of prophet, uh, oftentimes Jesus would say, "I only speak what the Father has told me." Yeah. See, that was that's the role of the prophet David in the Old oh. Testament. He spoke the words of God to the people, often the people of God, about the promises of right. God, about coming judgment, necessity to repent. And oftentimes, the prophet could do miracles, like yeah. Moses or Elijah did miracles. Right. Uh, Joshua did mm. some miracles. Not all of them did, but uh, and some of them predicted. that. That's how we often think of a prophet. Well, he's prophesied about the future. Mm -hmm. Not all of them did. Some of them was just mm. prophetic at that yeah. moment. But uh, some of them did, like Daniel, Elijah. They're prophesied hundreds, a thousand years into the future. So Jesus does both. He speaks the word to the people at that time, but he also is highly prophetic, predicting, like in Matthew 24, about the destruction of Jerusalem, about mm -hmm. his second coming, about all these different prophets. Yeah. So he beautifully fulfills that role of a prophet in so many ways. And uh, people today are intrigued by prophecy. You know, they read these books about, uh, uh, I don't know, somebody's making a prophecy about something or another. But why not go to the source book, yeah. go to the Bible, which say in a thousand years <clears throat> before the event, in uh, let's say the virgin birth, that's in Daniel chapter 7, or right. the, a man being crucified, Psalm 22 in high detail, or Isaiah 53, clear picture of Jesus Christ taken on the sins of the world. Right. So all these <clears throat> prophecies, if people are interested in predictions and prophecies, I would encourage them to get into the Bible mm -hmm. and then look at Jesus in his role as a prophet. He is extremely fulfilling that role of the prophet. Yeah, and, and so, um, yeah, Marilyn actually asked me this question last night. Well, he's not just a prophet, right? You right. know, because that's what the, some Muslims think. But it says here, Jesus is the word of God. That's in John 1. He does not simply speak the word of God as a mere human prophet, but he himself is the word made flesh. John 1 to 14. He's the final word, the ultimate revelation of God. And, and that's so, it w I think the prophet is just, you know, so because he does do miracles, it's similar to that, but he exceeds the prophet's status. Oh, yeah. And he's the word made flesh. Yeah, for example, so, yeah. Muslims would consider Jesus a prophet. Right. But, but so, so you can say to yourself, is Jesus a prophet? Yes. Is mm -hmm. Jesus a priest? Yes. Is Jesus yeah. a king? Yes. But he's so much more than that. He's the word made flesh. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, John 1, 14. He's uber. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah. uh, he's above it all. Yeah. But he has these, uh, mm -hmm. just like he's human, okay? He, he gets tired. Yeah. He gets hungry. He, he gets, gets thirsty. Uh, all of these, he bleeds. He cries. But he's, he's he, I always like the one, David, where they're crossing Galilee. There's this fierce mm -hmm. storm, right? Yeah. And it says he's sleeping. Yeah. And his head is on a pillow. And he's tired. He's human, right? But then they wake him and say, Lord, don't you care for us? And he just speaks a word, and it says there's a great calmness, and the wind stops. Now, that doesn't happen on Lake Erie. It takes a long time before the waves go down, right, when a storm passes by. He does that instantly. So in his humanity, he's sleeping in the hull of the boat. In his deity, he's just speaking two, two words, and the whole storm ceases. Right. Do you see the <clears> contrast <throat> yes. there? He's not either or. He's and also. And the same way with these offices we're talking about here. Where it's both, he's both prophet, he's king, he's priest. He's prophet, priest. He's fulfilling all these roles because you see him in the Old Testament, but nobody completely reaches that pinnacle that Jesus does. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I don't know why I was thinking about this while you were talking, but in Matthew 4, 1, 11, it talks about Jesus getting tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And, you know, the idea is he takes him to the top of that temple and says, I'll give all this right. to you. God, when we were talking about, gives makes him the king of king, and he's the head of the universe, the heavens, and the earth. Right, right. He said no to that, obviously, but... There was a lot. He was hungry. And, and, you know, the devil says, I'll turn these stones into bread. Yeah. He was tempted like us. And, and that's the part that people need to understand fully human and fully God. I know it's a tough thing. We're not supposed to fully grasp it all, right? Right, right. Isn't that that's the Well, issue? yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, There's I mean, a lot of mystery. <clears throat> I mean, we, quite honestly, we don't understand our own selves. Yeah, we, when we have a soul which Jesus says the most important <clears throat> part of the human being. Right. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, lose his soul? We don't see our soul, but we, we view, as a, from a Bible point of view, our soul is the most important part that we possess. It sure it's is. not our hearing or eyesight is important. All that is, it's the soul <clears throat> because it's eternal. That's the other thing that I think would, would pr promote or, uh, fear is because when Jesus breathed life into us, we had a soul. Yeah, we were oh, yeah. given a soul, whether you like that concept or not. So whatever you decide to do or not to do while you're alive, your soul is either has the right to heaven or the other place. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you don't have an option. That's why Jesus says, David, he says, do not fear him who can kill the body, right. but rather fear him who can kill the body and yeah. the soul. Mm -hmm. Because to be separated, death in the Bible means separation. So if you're... If you die, your body is separated from your soul. Yeah. But in the second death you see in Revelation is when the soul is separated from God. That's what you don't want. And God doesn't want us. He wants us to turn to him and have that relationship because it's eternal. Yeah. And people that people don't think about their soul enough. They really don't. That, no. It's eternal. And it's um, because you can't see it. We live in well, a very visual world. I was just thinking about walking and seeing our shadow next well, to us. Yeah, that that's the only visualization I can think about. That they're really you have to think there's something else that's a part of you. You have two two bodies, two entities. David, we're going to do a whole show on the most important things in life are invisible. Yeah, and people go, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, do you see the thoughts you're thinking? No. <clears throat> do you see the words you're speaking? Mm -hmm. No. Do you see the air you're breathing? Right. Why are you sitting on a chair and not on the ceiling? Do you see gravity?" Do you see the magnetic yeah. pole when you have a compass that's going to guide your boat? All of these things are invisible, but they're so... Do you see time? No. These are all very important, but we don't they see are. them. Level that up to the spiritual. Do you see angels? No. Mm -hmm. Do you see demons? No. Do you see your soul? No. Do you see God? No. These are all realities. And just because you can't see them, just like you don't see your thoughts, mm -hmm. but they're extremely important. We're going to do a whole show yeah. on the invisible world uh, both in the natural, but also in the supernatural. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. You know, whenever I'm thinking about the Bible and the supernatural, and the best thing that comes to play is when you watch a movie like Avengers, oh. where you see both things, the aliens coming and them trying to protect the world. You know, people migrate to that stuff. The Bible is the same thing. Oh, yeah, right. But it speaks the truth. Exactly right. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. If you're interested in that and that excites you to go to the theaters, this is a true, full, out, five-star movie. I mean, it's oh, unbelievable, yeah. the stories that are in here. Well, and the all, truth, a lot the of the superhero movies yeah. that you just brought up are based on... We have these internal longings mm -hmm. that there could be a savior figure. Yeah. It, it shows conflict. 
these movies often show cosmic <clears throat> forces at play. Yeah. This is all, like you say, a lot of this comes from biblical narrative. It comes from biblical stories. So when you look at, at movies or uh, even sometimes cartoons, uh, just like last week we looked at Pinocchio. Uh, that was the prodigal son put in a kind of a uh, 18th century fable about a boy who goes right. and gets himself in trouble and redeems himself. Yeah. So uh, that again is another show that we're going to get into is that the idea of Bible themes in modern movies. Yeah. I think that might be a good show to do. That would be a good show to do. Yeah. So we'll do that. We don't have much time left here. And, I, you know, we slide, I hate to say you slide, but the third category is this idea of priesthood. But Jesus is that high priest. He's, yes. And you see this all through, like in uh, Hebrews, uh, started, the book of Hebrews started in chapter 4, where it talks about Jesus being our high priest. He's highly exalted. And what did a priest do? A priest was a go-between, so to speak, between the people and God, just as a prophet yeah. is go-between from God to the people, giving in his messages. So the priest was representative of the people, and he would he would offer sacrifice, he would pray for the people. And here's what it says about Jesus in chapter 4. It says, uh, yeah, verse 14, See, yeah. then we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So <clears throat> it talks about Jesus being this high priest. Well, why? Because the, one of the main functions of a priest was to offer a sacrifice. Well, Jesus is both the high priest mm. and the sacrifice, which is really powerful thought. In other words, he, he comes and he offers up himself as the sacrifice. That's why Jesus says, no man taketh my life from me, but I give it willingly. You yeah, see, and this idea. Of, well, you, I know you well I was going to say, so Jesus's priesthood is far superior to the Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament, right? Right. right. And the Levitical priesthood of Aaron's line was not intended to continue forever, but Jesus's priesthood is eternal. Exactly right. So that that's where the difference comes in. Significant. So difference. We're going to pick up on this, David, because our okay. show is kind of rapidly okay, coming to sure. a close. Okay, sure. Yeah. But let's pick this up. And then we want to talk about the priesthood of our Lord and then see the ramifications, implications that it has for us today. It's sure. amazing stuff. Oh, and yeah. everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this, uh, this hour like went really uh, quick. It went fast today. Because the topic is yeah. so interesting. God bless you all. God and bless you. take to mind some of the things we're saying and consider uh, the person of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you're interested, I just was sharing the gospel this week with a fellow that's not yet a believer. I said, go to the Gospel of John and just read one chapter per day. Just one chapter, and then the next day, chapter yeah. two. And, and ask God to guide you in that. And just uh, have a blessed week, and look forward to talking to you guys all next week. This is WNZN Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. That's 89.1 FM Radio. Take care, everybody. God bless.